Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Uh, let's get our Bibles out today and open to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, and find verse 23. My title today is Fabulous Forgiveness. Fabulous Forgiveness. And uh, we're continuing this new series that we are called Living on Purpose. Our, our idea is to look at some of the parables of Jesus and from those stories to connect that with our lives and grasp a deeper understanding of our purpose in life. Listen to me, every one of you have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And the, I believe, and I really believe we will see this as we continue through, that the teachings of Jesus through these parables are going to help us not only identify those purposes, but be motivated forward in the thing that God has called you to be and do. Because we have a destiny, we have a destination, we have a purpose in life, each one of us. God called us for a reason, and he even called us to this church for a reason, that there was a reason that you are a part of this this community of believers here. These stories that Jesus taught have the power, I believe, to change our lives in magnificent ways if we'll listen, learn, and apply the truths to our lives. Are you in? Everybody's in. All right, let's do it. Let's read Matthew 18, verse 23 through 35. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now you're saying, man, it sounds like we just heard teaching on this. That's because 16 months ago when we were going through the Apostles' Creed and we dealt with the, the subject, the forgiveness of sins, uh, I taught on this very same passage. And, uh, but but, but it's, it, there's some good truth. That, how many have read the Bible more than once and seen different things different times as you went through? So even though this is a familiar text to us, uh, in the not-too-distant past here, uh, we got some very fresh and new stuff to talk about today from it. Now, uh, let me just stop for a moment further and talk about these 10,000 bags of gold, because that's sort of arbitrary to us. In the Greek, it's, it's uh, 10,000 talents, and talents were actually large chunks of gold, about 75 pounds each, if you can imagine. So that, when you had one talent, that's a lot of gold, and now to have 10,000 talents. A talent in those days was worth about 20 years' wages, at today's prices, that conservatively would be about 10 to 14 billion dollars. Okay? I don't know how you ever get to a place where you owe that much, but that's what we're talking about. This guy owed so much. It would, it, at regular wages, it would take you 200,000 years to pay off this debt. I don't know anybody, you know, there are some people that lived 1,000 years, but 200,000, no, not happening. So that's an absurd number. Everybody agree with that? And uh, it is, but remember, it's a parable. The point of such a large number was the shock value of it. Can you imagine? Like if somebody said to you, this guy actually owed $8 billion. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but the next six words from verse 25 will help define the obvious here. It says, since he was not able to pay. <laughs> and that's the obvious, right? So since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay this debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He'd go, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, are you serious right now? That, that, that's never going to happen. But he's, he's saying, hey, I'll pay back everything. So the servant's master took pity on him and uh, canceled the debt and let him go. That's amazing. 
But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now these were about one silver coin was about a day's wages. At today's minimum wage, that would be about $8,000. So significant, but not overwhelming. Something that could be done. So it goes on, it says, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed, which is impossible. And then it finishes by saying, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Whew, take a deep breath right there, okay? That's intense, don't you agree? Man, we should just pray right now. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. This is, when we read stuff like this, it is intense. And when we think about the magnitude of what's going on here, and what, what that last verse said, Lord, is just, just stirring in our hearts right now, and we're realizing, God, we really need to listen closely right now to this message and get what you want us to get out of this in Jesus' name. This is serious business. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, uh, we're talking about forgiveness today, fabulous forgiveness. And, and um, uh, you know, the other day, uh, well, let me back up a little bit in my story. Rhonda, uh, I guess this was probably 15 years ago, we were washing my car in a car wash. And when the car wash is over, and I don't know why I looked over, but I looked over and uh, on her, she had her ring, her engagement ring, and, and she had them welded together so they wouldn't slip around, but the, the ring that she had now connected the band and the engagement ring, but I, for some reason I looked over at her hand there, and the diamond, and you might be saying, why aren't you wearing a wedding band? Because I'm, I'm fatter than my ring right now, but I'm working on it, I really am, and so when I'm not so fat, I will put my ring back on, but anyway, have you, anybody ever wondered that before? Why doesn't he wear a wedding band? That's why. And somebody says to me, you know you can get those resized. I know, but I know I can get me resized too. And that's <laughs> probably preferable in this case. Okay, back to my story. So I look over and I look and the, the puny little diamond that I could afford when we got married, and believe me, it wasn't much, ha had fallen out in the car wash. And, there was, and, we, and we just like almost on our hands and knees were looking through and it was muddy because somebody had washed off a Jeep or something and it was just a mess. And I thought, we're never going to see it. It probably went down the drain. So it was gone. And so uh, money, you know, we're, we got three kids at home at that time and just not, not a lot of extra money. So uh, we, we, we knew a jeweler in town and we said, how much to put one of those fake diamonds in there, the cubic zirconium? And he, it wasn't bad. It was like 50 bucks plus a little labor. And it was like, okay. And so that was a temporary, we were kind of thinking. And I thought, well, someday I'll get her another. Well, then a few more uh, years passed. And actually, I don't, I don't even remember now, a few years ago, I look over again and, and she didn't even tell me she was doing this, but she actually had somebody work on the ring and had the whole mount that holds the diamond removed completely. And so it was just a band now, which I thought, well, that's cool. And uh, I said, well, why'd you do that? She said, well, I play golf and it gets caught on things. That go, you know. I said, okay, that's cool, because she has to put gloves on to golf. And so it all made sense to me. Well, then, uh, you know, time passes, and then all the, all the ladies, right, see Rhonda, and they go, 
well, what, what happened here? Why, don't you have a diamond? You know, and making me out to be like a cheapskate, <laughs> which I am, by the way. So, so anyway, she started to feel like, oh, maybe I should. And so she started thinking about this. So I thought this thing was all at rest and we weren't going to have to worry about it. And I'm thinking, that's good. You know, we love each other. That doesn't prove anything to have a diamond on there. But the other day, we're walking into Costco. And she says, I've been thinking about getting a new diamond or a new diamond ring for, you know. And I'm like, what? I thought we had this all settled. I, you're sporty. You like to wear gloves when you golf. You don't want to. And she's, so she's thinking, so we walk over to the case at Costco. And, you know, they have that big jewelry case. It's well lit, of course. And, and we kind of walked around starting at the lowest price ones and worked our way all the way around. And we got to the end and we looked in. And this was over in Tukwila. And, and, and I, you know, I'm sure diamonds go even up from here. But there was a diamond in there. It was a four-carat diamond, one of these incredibly clear ones. And it was $63,000. Now, I want you to know I love my wife so much. But there are limits to how much I love her financially. <laughs> there is no way in the world, you know, but it was pretty. But my whole point in that story, and it may seem like a long ways to go for my point, is the fact that uh, as I stood over that massive rock there and looked down in it, and of course there's such bright lights, and, and you just stand still, and there's so many refractions of different colors, like different rainbow colors coming out of that. And if you move your head just this much, a whole new set of colors came from different angles. Every time you moved just a little, it was just changing back and forth, almost like it was alive. And, and that, why did I tell that story? Because, because what I said a moment ago about the Word of God and teaching on a, a passage that I've taught on before is so true, and it's like that. This is what I feel like when I'm in God's Word. I feel like I'm mining for these gems that are outrageously beautiful, and that, that even when I've had that gem for a while in my heart, I look at it again in a different light, and all of a sudden I see new, fresh stuff. So God help us today to get new fresh stuff out of the word of God as it pertains to something that's so important that Jesus gave such a strong warning at the end of that parable that we really need to pay attention. Are you with me? So let's, let's have those eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see the new reflections that God has for us today in this familiar passage. It, 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 um, in the area of forgiveness, um, being hurt by a stranger, let's say, somebody that doesn't even know me, um, like we heard uh, from Aaron last week, he was talking about the guy that was cussing him out and flipping him the bird because he, you know, cut him off, he thought, or whatever. And, you know, being hurt in that way by a stranger, that's hard, but, but you think, oh, well. But, but, boy, isn't it so tough when it's somebody who either knows you or, worse yet, is related to you, right? Somebody that you're close to and they hurt us or they wrong us in some way. I recently heard about an elderly gentleman who had serious hearing problems, just really bad, and his family encouraged him. He went to the doctor, and the uh, doctor uh, was able to get him fitted for some great hearing aids, and uh, they were fantastic, and, uh, and he got his hearing back up to like 100% with these hearing aids. And so uh, or some time passed, the, the elderly gentleman came back to the doctor, and the doctor said, man, how are those hearing aids working out for you? I bet your family really loves it that you can hear now. And he said, oh, I never told him I had hearing aids. I just sit around and listen to their conversations. I've changed my will three times now. Sometimes, you know, people say things, right? They hurt us. They say things. Sometimes the hurt can even come from our own spouse. Uh, did you hear about the Cyclops who um, asked... <laughs> I knew I'd get a chuckle out of that. <laughs> Andrew lost it on the front row there. But he, uh, he asked his wife, how do you spell Hawaii? And his wife bit her lip a little bit and tried to hold back. And she says, well, you need two eyes. He looked at her and he says... 
my life is just one big joke to you, isn't it, Linda? Anyway, but, but hurt can come from our spouses, right? No cyclops in real life, but anyway. But, um, when, but, but when, and as we get old enough, as we're, you know, infants, we don't know so much about these things. But even as we get old enough, like a, a toddler and a little bit, all of a sudden we realize, man, some other people do things that aren't great. Like somebody steals a toy from you, you know, right? How many raising kids and you know, man, that could be devastating to a child. And, and uh, you know, these are small hurts, but, but at some point you begin to feel and experience hurts from other people. Um, and so, so as a child, there's anger, there's tension, there's screaming, there's crying, there's hurt, but, but maybe they haven't graduated to a place where there's a, a, a thing of any kind of unforgiveness in their heart. But as we get older, and we, especially as we enter adolescence, um, or even preteen times, I think that there's times um, that I can still remember to this day, things that people did, things that people said to me in those years that were so cruel and so hard at, that it, re- it really devastated me as a young man, and it, it caused a lot of pain to me. And then, and, and then, you know, we get betrayed. We have relationships. We start getting into relationships with people, and people uh, hurt us through relationships. They, they betray us. They, uh, there's, there's all kinds of things. And then some of us have been experienced a parent that's either abandoned us, or worse yet, there's abuse that takes place by parents of all kinds. And you go, and some people who, who the, the people that should have been most loving and kind to us sometimes are the people that created the biggest hurt. And those are the things that are hardest to get over. Wouldn't you agree? Those are the ones that hurt the most. We can, we can tell when we're hurting and still dealing with some of this because when we hear someone's name or, or think about them, we begin to feel like a little bit of tension or a little bit of angst begin to grow in our hearts. You know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody in this room should be going, yeah, right now because, because we all have to deal with this. Nobody's immune from this. And, and I'm not saying it's necessarily true because the angst may be there for all kinds of reasons, but... Chances are there can always be a bit of unforgiveness still, even in something you think you've resolved. And I've known that to be true in my own life. Unforgiveness has two ways that it manifests. Let me walk through this with you. I can have unforgiveness towards someone else who has hurt me in some way, or someone I have hurt, right, can have unforgiveness toward me. But, but, but both of those are important, and Jesus deals with both scenarios in different uh, places. So, and they're both uh, in the Gospels here. But scenario one is that I have this unforgiveness toward someone else. They may not even be aware of it, but I know that I'm holding something against them. What do I do about that? And here's what Jesus says in Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, it will be yours. What a great promise. Say, yay. Yes. And then it goes on, though. But when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Again, we're reading stuff that's like, wow, that's intense, God. That went from all happy, we're going to get our prayers answered, to you're saying my sins may be not forgiven here? Okay, what does that mean? So, so we, may be, we may be praying, and you say, well, I'm not hearing God, I'm not getting answers to my prayer. We may be praying ineffectual prayers because we've not forgiven. That's what it's saying. What about the, this is, now we're going to move to the second scenario. What about the person who does not ask for forgiveness, or, or, or excuse me, I'm still talking about the first one. Doesn't know that they've wronged us in some way. That brings us to this second scenario. That's where I'm going with that. So uh, the second one is this. I realize that someone else has something against me. This is tricky, isn't it? Right? Have you been aware that, that you, and you don't even know what you did sometimes, but somebody's all of a sudden 
ticked off and angry with you or whatever. And you say, what, what did I do? What <laughs> but what do I do in a situation like that? Well, here Jesus addresses this one in Matthew 5, 23. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and by the way, um, you might be thinking, oh, that's talking about offering time, you know, when I give in the offering. No, that means when you're coming to give worship to God. And that shouldn't just be on Sunday, right, folks? We understand worship is like a daily thing that we do. So every day as you're coming to give your gift at the altar of God and you remember that your brother, and this is it, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, you know, you'd think we'd be off the hook. That's not my problem, that's theirs. But this is what Jesus says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. So he's saying no matter whose fault it is, deal with it. Deal with it. Now, now, in most of these cases, it's talking about a brother or sister. I know there are some situations, and, and we can't get into all the details, but there are some that maybe someone isn't a believer, and uh, there's something that's so bad. And, and when I use the word reconcile, I'll talk about that more in a moment, but I just want to be clear that, um, you know, that, that we, you can't always reconcile with everybody. And God isn't necessarily asking that of all of us to necessarily reconcile. But we'll get to that in a moment. So, so, but in this second scenario, we may not be experiencing the blessings of God uh, when we are, are sowing blessings and sowing seed wherever we do that, whatever kind of seed we sow, because we are not reaping what we want out of it because others have an issue with us. And, and, and we have not done what we could to make it right. And, and so we have to step up in those cases too. I've been in situations like that. No fault of mine. Somebody had a bad attitude against me. I was so mad. I went up in the hills. I was like praying. I said, God, it's not fair. I didn't do anything. Um, it's undeserved, undeserved. And I was just talking to God and mouthing off. And, and then I thought I'd worship the Lord a little. He says, I'm not going to listen to you until you go down and make that right. And this is not my fault. Said, I didn't do it. And God won't hear of it. He just says, go take it, care of it. Go take care of it. You notice in our story, in our text today of this unforgiving man, listen to this. This is, this is an interesting thing to think about. Both of those men end up in prison at the end of the story. Both of them. I don't, don't you want to cheer for the guy that only owed a little bit and think, well, he should have got out because that other guy was mean to him. But he still owed the debt, didn't he? So both of them are in jail when it's all said and done. And, and, and uh, the first man goes further it says he was not only sent back to jail but now it says he's going to be tortured he's going to be tortured see when we don't forgive we lock others up we figure they deserve it but what we don't realize is we're also in essence locking ourselves up and we're locking ourselves up this is the part you need to hear today in a worse prison something worse than what we're trying to do to them by locking them up for our unforgiveness do you, not, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you feel that sometimes? You think, I've got this, oh, and you're just so angry, and, and you feel like they deserve your anger. But the truth is, and, a lot, and, I, and I use my dad as an example many times, you know, and I, I, I told a group last night, I would willingly be completely reconciled with him and have a great relationship with him. And I've made some strides in my life to try to uh, engage a little bit, but there's not been the recipient so much it just hasn't been there and there's really not been any effort and and I can say probably there's not going to be a time in in the rest of his life uh, that that I will probably be reconciled to him in that way but there was a time in my life when I was in prison being tortured by anger that I had against my dad as a young man growing up and thinking he blew it he missed it 
You know, I'm a pretty good guy, just ask me. And, you know, he, no, he should have had a relationship with me, right? And so, so, you know, as a younger man, I was bothered by that. I was dealing, but I came to find that I was in the worst prison of all. And to tell you the truth, I don't even think he thinks that much about it. I wasn't really ever a part of his life anyway, right? So, so it doesn't matter if, but the thing is, is if I, if I know that there's something, I've got to deal with it. And we don't want to end up being tortured ourselves by our unforgiveness. That's what ends up happening. And so, so sometimes the person we're angry toward, like I say, doesn't even know that, or they're the cause of our anger. Or frankly, sometimes they just don't care. They just don't care. So this is what will keep us from the things that God has for us. It, it, it will keep us from what God wants us to experience. He, it, will, it will keep us from the purpose. This, we talk about living on purpose. And, and we're not experiencing sometimes the purpose of God for our lives. We say, why is that? Because we are still living in this constant state of sometimes it manifests in depression. It manifests in anger. Sometimes, uh, you know, we're angry toward people. They, they don't even uh, care. They just don't care, as I said. And so we end up locked in a cell of our own making that keeps us from the incredible things that God has for us. And we can't pursue our destiny because we're in jail now. So there's one solution. There's only one solution to all this. It's a pretty simple message. It's coming straight to you now. Simple answer, not so simple to do, but the answer is we must forgive. We have to forgive. And we have to let the, off- the, offense, go, the offense go. We have to, uh, in some cases, set free those things. And can I tell you that only you and I have the power to do that in our own lives. I can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. You just have to, you know, and you, say, you might say, well, what about me? What if others have unforgiveness toward me? You just do your part and be a forgiving person, and God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. You will receive forgiveness as well. It will come. And so do your part. And that's why I believe the Lord gave us both of those, those scenarios so we would take care of it. Now, let me read to you what I consider one of the most frightening verses in the Bible, as if the one we read earlier wasn't frightening enough. Matthew 6, 14 says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I, I don't even exactly know what to do with that. Because I know that God is faithful, He'll just he'll forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I think He's saying there's something so insidious, so wicked about unforgiveness when we understand the debt that we've been forgiven is beyond what we could pay, and He's asking us to forgive, even though it may seem huge to us compared to that debt, it is small compared to the debt that we owed, we've been forgiven of. And so God is saying, you've got to forgive others. And why would he be so insistent? Why would he care so much? Because they, they're just despicable people that did those things to us. It isn't for their sake he's saying it. It's for yours and mine. He, he loves us enough to, to make such a strong point here that says you need to forgive. You've got to forgive for your own sake. So again, the need for forgiveness is paramount. You might be thinking, okay, okay, I see it, Pastor Sal. What do I do? What do I do? Here, let me walk you through something that the Lord showed me this week that I'd never seen before. It's, it's so powerful. The word forgive in the Greek language is a phi-emi, I don't know, A-P-H-I-E-M-I. Who knows how they pronounced it? But that doesn't matter. It means to send away, or we might say to let it go. To send away is the primary uh, 
translation. Uh, the same word is used that when Jesus came along the, the Sea of Galilee and he saw uh, Peter and Andrew, brothers, out there uh, taking their nets from the day's fishing, and they grabbed their nets, and they would, this is such a small net, but they would have had massive nets, and they would pull it up out of the water like this and dry it out and, and let it dry, and then they would mend them because there was always, you know, tears in them. The material they had wasn't the best, and so they, they would just work on it, and that's what they're doing. They're working on their, basically, this is their identity. This is what, this was the thing that helped them pay for their, do you understand? This is like their job. This represents their income. It's extremely important to them. It's who they are. It's what they do. It's how they feed their families. It's how they make a living. It's, it's a lot of stuff wrapped up in this net. So Jesus is there, and they're working on their nets, and Jesus comes along, and he says, hey, follow me, right? I'll make you fishers of men. And do you remember what it says? What does it say? They, they, he, they just left their nets, right? The, everything their identity was, everything that got them a living, you know, it's be like just walking away from your job like that, and so much more. Walking away from what was important to them, and they turned and just started following Jesus. That's great, isn't it? That word, when they left their nets right there, is the same word as forgive in the Greek language. That's the same word. You say, well, what's the connection? Listen, if Jesus is speaking in the parables, and he says to Peter and Andrew and the other guys who would understand this very well, and he uses that Greek word for forgive, he is saying and in their minds, they have a word picture, right? He says, forgive, and they're thinking, that, the stuff I left behind. I just let it go. I send it away. I'm not dealing with it anymore. This, I'm getting over it. And, and that's, I thought that was so powerful when I realized that this week. And, and so Jesus says, you must forgive others. And they would see that in their minds as like, I'm leaving that behind. I'm walking away from it. And... and not just walking away from that as if, boy, I really missed my nets and stuff. What did they do? They followed Jesus. They didn't really think about those nets anymore. They just said, I'm done with that. That, that isn't who I am anymore. I'm following Jesus. And that is that incredible word picture for us today of what it means to forgive. And so, so when we're forgiving, we just need to let it go. We need to leave it behind. We need to walk away from it. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what we have to do. Now, I'm going to illustrate this further, I hope. I hope this makes sense. But some time ago, Ayo was, uh, I know this will be hard to believe because she's such an angel, but Rhonda had done something that I found, I took a, a exception to in a pretty big way. It hurt me. And, and, and I, you know, I mentioned that earlier, but sometimes it is our own spouse that will do things that hurt us. So, so I, I, uh, I'm going to bring out this little shelf right here because this is how it felt to me. All right, so Rhonda hurt me pretty bad with something she did or didn't do. I'm not going to give you details, but what happened was is I came along, I got an offense from what she did, and um, I don't, you know, some people like to just get it all off their chest, and I'm just not usually that person, because I don't really like confrontation, I don't really like fighting, and I don't want to go down that road, and so I thought to myself, you know, uh, I'm just going to take this, I don't want to forget about it, because it's really important, and I mean that, it was. I thought, that's really important, but I, I don't want to forget about it, but I, I think I'll just put it on a shelf for now, and uh, I'm going to leave it there. That's all right, right? So I said, okay, that's good, and so I, I'll, some other time I'll deal with that. I thought, I don't want to fight. You know what I'm saying? You just don't want to fight, right? 
So I had my offense on my shelf. Well, a few days later, it wasn't very long at all. It wasn't even that big of a thing, but it was kind of in the same category. So it was a little guy. But it offended me again, and I thought, hmm, see, there's another one. That'll help make my point with that one. That'll help me figure that out. So, I, 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 but I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I don't want to, you know, so I'm just going to put that on the shelf as well right now. And then some time passed, and, and you know, oh, by the way, have you noticed that where my focus and my attention all are, is right at this point? I'm thinking about how she's hurting me, what she's doing. I know you can't believe that of Rhonda, but so, and then pretty soon I, I pick up another offense for something else she said or did. I thought, I'm going to keep that on the shelf too. I like that one. Mm-hmm, that's going to be good ammo. And then another one comes along, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah. Boy, I've got a good list now. And pretty soon I've got a lot of offenses just all built up. And in my mind, it's kind of like a shelf I'm stacking them on. And there got to be so many things that I thought, wow, I need to write these down before I start forgetting some of them. Okay? Seriously, this is what I was doing in my head. And as I'm having this thought about writing them down, I felt a little spiritual tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit as you might imagine. And he comes along, the Holy Spirit does, and he says, um, he just simply, and it's a verse of Scripture I've read a hundred times, I've preached on before, and this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Ah, oh, are you serious, Holy Spirit, right now? This was some good stuff. This was some juicy stuff. I, I could have lined them all up and really made a nice display out of it, and uh, I, that would have been a fun argument. That would have been a lot of fun. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And so after I got over the initial shock and implication of uh, the Holy Spirit saying that to me, I said, well, I just have to let all that go then because that's just keeping a record of wrongs. And so spiritually in my mind, I just got myself a big black trash bag, and I said, okay, I guess I'm done with that one. I'm done with that little one. I'm done with that big one. I'm done with all of them. Let's put them there. I'm sick and tired of holding on to this junk anyway. It doesn't set well with me. And I'm just done. Done with these offenses. And spiritually, I just tossed them. Hope nobody's coming up the stairs. And my shelf is clean. And all of a sudden, my wife was amazing. She's just like, she changed so much. It was... Or maybe it was me. <laughs> maybe it was me. Yeah, I think it was. I think she was just great all along, but, but I, had, I had kind of begun to see her in a different light because I was harboring things. I was holding on to things. I had just continued to do that. And, and so that's, this is why forgiveness is so fabulous because she did, listen, all that stuff I just told you, she didn't even know. She's standing at the back right now. This is the first she's hearing about this. But, you know, I'm never going to tell her about those things because, you know what, they honestly don't matter to me anymore. They just don't. I don't care anymore. I, they, they don't matter to me. And, and I just said, thank you, Lord, for showing. You know, I, you'd think preaching all these years, right, I would figure this stuff out quicker, but I'm just kind of slow sometimes. So thank you, Lord, for showing me that. And so I had to let it go. Now, I can hear someone arguing with me. Yeah, I hear you. Love, love keeps no record of wrongs. But what if I don't love that person? Oh, oh, Really? You want to go there? Let me just show you two quick verses from the New Testament if you're going to say, say that. Uh, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, 
Uh, we used to sing a song to this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Watch this. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. And 1 John 4.20, perhaps even harder to read. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So we, we don't get a pass. You say, you know, we, we, don't, we just don't get a pass. We have to forgive. We have to let it go. This is what forgiveness is. It's letting go, letting that net go. It's taking this stuff off the shelf and throwing it away because you're not keeping a record of wrongs anymore. You're done with that. You're sending it away. You're, you're believing the best in other people and you're not keeping a record of wrongs anymore. Hallelujah. So, so I'm almost done, but, but I want to give you three quick things that forget, you know, because I've defined what forgiveness is today, and I hope you understand how to do it now. It isn't that hard, really, if you choose to do it. You just make a choice in your heart between you and God and say, God, I do need your help with this, but I'm choosing to let that go. I'm giving it away. I'm not going to retain it. I'm not going to hold on to it. And that's how you do it. But here's what it is not. Are you ready? Three quick things. First of all, forgiveness is not excusing. It's not saying that it's okay. Because frankly, a lot of things that happen to us aren't okay. God doesn't even think they're okay. But, it is, so, it, so that's not what he means. He's not saying, oh, you have to put your stamp on, of approval on other people's behavior because to really forgive, you do that. That's not, that's not what he's saying. Those are real wrongs. They're still in that trash bag, I'm telling you, down the stairs. But they're wrong, but I can't hold on to them anymore because it's torturing me, it's hurting me. So it's not excusing things. And the and second thing it is, is it's not forgetting. Uh, I think that's a terrible statement. For, uh, forgive and forget. Don't say that anymore. It's not true. You can't forget those awful things that happened to you as a child or even as an adult. You can't forget betrayal by people. You will never forget that. God is not going to do a, a, a lobotomy on your, your spiritual brain and remove these terrible things of the past. In fact, it wouldn't even be safe to do so because if someone is dangerous that hurt you, it isn't necessary, as I say, to be reconciled into, to them in such a way that you put yourself in a place to be hurt again. Okay, so it's not even safe necessarily, but so it isn't forgetting. Tom Hughes says it this way, forgiveness requires that we are aware of what happened and yet choose to extend mercy anyway. That's it. So it's not forgetting. And finally, it's not necessarily reconciliation, which I've mentioned a couple times. And, and it may work out that way. And if it can, that's great. If you can, and especially in the body of Christ, if there's, if there's a brother and sister in the body of Christ that you need to be reconciled with, if you're having a hard time with somebody, you, you deal with that. I love this quote, it takes two people to reconcile, but only one to forgive. So you can't always have reconciliation, but you can't always forgive. Thank you, Lord. I want to finish by reading you a story from a book called Down to Earth. And um, it's about a gal by the name of Shannon Etheridge. Here we go. When Shannon Etheridge was just 16 years old, as an, act, uh, an act of forgiveness and love changed her life forever. Driving to her high school on that morning, Shannon struck and ran over Marjorie Jarfster, who was riding her bicycle along a country road. Marjorie died, and Shannon was found completely at fault by the authorities. Can you imagine being a 16-year-old girl, and for whatever reason, I think this was before the age of texting, but... You're, you weren't paying attention, you didn't see her, you weren't careful, whatever, and inadvertently you completely took away another woman's life. 
Consumed by intense guilt, she contemplated suicide several times, but she never took her life, especially because of the healing response of one man, Gary Jarster. Gary was Marjorie's husband. He forgave the 16-year-old and asked the attorney to drop all charges against her. This saved her from an an almost certain guilty verdict. Instead, he simply asked Shannon to continue in the godly footsteps that his wife had taken. He, He said to her, you can't let this ruin your life. How hard would that be to say? You can't let this ruin your life. Gary told her more than 30 years ago this happened. He told her that long ago, God wants to strengthen you. In fact, he said to her, I am passing on Marjorie's legacy to you. Her legacy to you. So Gary's act of forgiveness showed Shannon the amazing restorative love of God. That act became the foundation of her work, seeking to help people overcome guilt-ridden, wounded lives. Today, Shannon is a best-selling author. She wrote uh, Every Woman's... um, Battle, which is a million-seller book in America, which is quite a, quite a feat. She's an international speaker. She's, she uh, is a life coach for some people. She's, she's got an incredible ministry. She's got a very full life now today. She's doing the work of the Lord. And the author who was writing this uh, about this said this. He said, sometimes our greatest misery can become the foundation of our greatest ministry. You know, God could take those hurts and those bad things and the rough stuff that we face in our lives, and He can make something great and wonderful, fabulous forgiveness. Great ministry can come out of that. Because of our sin, we owed a debt that we could not pay. Impossible! Our only hope was that our debt would be forgiven. That's what Jesus did through the cross. When we trust in Him for salvation, the debt is completely gone, completely gone. Thank you, Lord. Are you thankful today for that? So again... Do these things. If you have unforgiveness, let it go. Leave it behind. Send it away. Clear off the shelves. Wrap it up in a spiritual big trash bag and toss it and get rid of it. In Jesus' name. And in so doing, get free of the prison you've put yourself in. In Jesus' name. This is what Paul really means when he says this. And I don't know if you've read this verse before, but he says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And, and I used to read that and not understand it at all, and then I got this revelation a few years back. Oh, because it just it sounded really repetitive to me, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. There was a purpose behind the reason Christ set me free to begin with, so that I would live in freedom. You seeing that? So it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It, it, it was with the intention that you would live a free life that He freed you. It was that you would live a life of forgiveness because He forgave you. Aren't you glad for that today? So he says, forgive others. Because if we don't, we put ourselves in that prison. We begin to be tortured by our own thoughts of unforgiveness. Now I've studied and thought on this many times and taught on it. And I've counseled people dozens of times on this subject. But this week, I looked deeper into that gem, which is forgiveness. And I saw things I'd never seen before. And I hope you're seeing them too today. This is fabulous, fabulous forgiveness. Amen? Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.